Welcome to the Life After Life podcast, where we explore our soul's physical and non-physical journey. I'm Majana. Let's discuss angels, guides, and loved ones from the other side. Hello, friends, and welcome back. We have a really, really exciting podcast today. This episode, I'm very pleased to introduce you to two of my really, really great friends that are sitting here in our highfalutin studio. I look over and they're both trying to not laugh. (laughs) We are actually all three together sitting on a couch just talking and we said hey this is a podcast we're inviting you into our conversation my two friends that are also part of the facebook group which by the way if you aren't a member we would love to have you in there private facebook group life after life radio just look us up and there are a couple questions i would like you to ask to one show me that you're human not a robot And just agree to group rules because we are very cautious of defending this precious space. These are two close friends of mine in real life and in the podcast world. Mary Halda, I have known for a very long time. We used to teach school together. And Dell Wise, I got to meet through this like many of you and we've become very close. We're just going to jump right into this and I think we're going to talk about Earthbounds. Dale. Yes, I have been wondering for quite a while about earthbound spirits. I don't quite understand when or who or why there are even earthbound spirits. I thought we'd just jump out of our body and go on, start going to school and life review and all that. But I've been learning, and you affirmed, that there are earthbound spirits I don't want to be one. And how do we make somebody go on? Well, the great news is most of the time you do just jump out and you go on with your soul's journey. From my experience, most earthbounds are for one of two reasons. Either they died really quickly, like in an accident, and they don't know they're dead. They could look around, they see things look normal to them, and for some reason they don't see their body laying there, or it doesn't register to them exactly what it is. In a previous podcast, I talked about this guy from the 50s who was drag racing and had a wreck and died, but he didn't know he was dead, and he was pretty rude about it (laughs) until he finally believed me that he was dead, and then he could cross over. But here's another one. One time, I luckily was a passenger in a car driving down a two-lane highway, and I was the passenger at night, and I saw this little girl in the median. And sometimes it's that, wait, is that live or Memorex? Is that really a little girl? Or was that the memory of a little girl? And she was very sad. She looked lost. She looked confused. She was looking around. She was crying. I was in the car moving forward and could not turn around and physically go back there. So I went back there mentally, I guess is the best way to say it. I projected myself back there. So I took the energetic self back there and started talking to her. She was in a car accident with her mom. Her mom did not survive it, nor did the little girl, but the little girl didn't realize that, and she was looking for her mom. She didn't realize she was dead. 
She didn't understand what had happened. She just knew she couldn't find her mom. I want to say she was probably five, as I recall, five to seven, somewhere around there. So I talked to her as if I were talking to a child that was in body, explaining, well, there was this accident, calming her down, hugging her. I sat down with her. My body was in the car, but visually we were just sitting in the grass. I'm looking at Mary and Dale right now to see if I'm making any sense at all. (laughs) We're with you on that. We can see what you were doing and kind of visualize you as you sit with the little girl. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So we sat there just talking about it. She was comforted. She knew she wasn't alone. I had her looking for angels, had her looking up. A lot of times earthbound spirits don't see that light. You know, we hear the talk about just look for the light, go towards the light, or no, don't go to the light, (laughs) whichever the case is. For some reason, earthbounds don't see that light. It's like after you first crossed over and you don't take that opportunity, it just gets more distant. And so if they look up and kind of behind them, like where the crown is, but backwards, like maybe at 45 degree angle, that's where the light is. So since she was so young, I talked to her about angels in a really you know loving, positive way to help take away the fear and then asked her to start looking for angels. Your angels are always there, even when you don't see them. Even on the other side, earthbounds won't see them. They don't realize they're dead and they're just not looking for it. When you first cross over, the angels are there, but you can say no, you don't have to cross over. You still have free will and can say, no, thank you. And they will go away until if and when you're ready to make that change and cross over. So I asked her to start looking for them. And typically once they do, the angels start coming closer and you feel that love. It's irresistible. So when the angels start coming closer and you feel all that love, you just want to go with them. You don't have to. From what I've seen, the earthbounds do go with them. So the angel showed up. But her mom came in too. Although her mom had crossed over and was able to try to reach out to her, there's something about Earthbound's not really being able to connect with either world. They truly are in between. They're connected to the Earth, but not able to interact with the Earth. And they're not fully crossed over, so they don't see or are not able to connect with the disincarnate beings but once she was aware and her mom and the angels came then she could see them and she was happy to cross over so it was very cool happy ending now what if the earthbound person does not want to cross over and wants to stay around here with other family members can they get them to notice them Ah, this is why I love having y'all here. (laughs) These are things that I need someone to point out to me and say, hey, what about that? Because I don't think of them. You know, my first thought on that is, do we call that poltergeist activity? Do we call that paranormal phenomena? If you're at home or in a different place, unfamiliar, but things start moving seemingly on their own, it kind of tends to freak us out a little bit. And yet, I don't think that's an easy thing for earthbounds to do. That does take a lot of energy, but they can flip switches. They can move things. And I don't think that they really do it to frighten us. 
but they're doing it to get attention. There have been times when I was unaware that earthbounds were around because I just wasn't paying attention. And then they do a really cool things to be helpful, such as the time I was reheating dinner in the microwave and my daughter came running in to tell me the toilet was overflowing. Well, I had put too much time on the microwave to just heat that up, but I didn't have time to deal with it. So as I'm in the bathroom tending to that, I had the realization, oh, that's going to be bad. <laughs> We're going to go to plan B for dinner because that's going to be burnt to a crisp. And yet when I went back in there, it was perfect. So an earthbound that was there and I hadn't really tuned into stopped the microwave for me just at the perfect time to prevent our dinner from burning. So then obviously I tuned in a little bit and we had this conversation and he turned out to be quite helpful and pretty funny too. He also would just randomly turn on my stereo as I'm asking his name. I don't know if this was what was playing or if he made it play, but the song was Bubba shot the jukebox last night. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Bubba? I don't know why Bubba was there other than he wanted to get my attention to help him cross over. The way it's been explained to me is when somebody can see or connect with spirits or disincarnate beings, I don't think it's the aura, but it was described to me literally as a beacon. There's a beacon of light so they can identify who those people are and hope that it's somebody that Canon is willing to take the time to help them cross over because that can become a full-time job. That same night, there was a lot of action going on. The girls and I were in another room and I kept hearing cans rattling in the kitchen, like the recycle. It was another earthbound spirit. Oh, Mary just reminded me of another time. Okay, we've known each other since our kids were much younger as well. We're still that young. Somehow our kids have aged, but we seem to have stayed kind of the same. Well, one of her daughters was in high school and my daughters were, I only had one. It was with my first child and she was a baby. So I did not trust many people with her, but I did trust Mary's daughter, Michelle. So Michelle was babysitting for me one night. I was aware that there was a being in the house, and I think I've mentioned him in another podcast. I call him the keeper. He had been the caretaker for the horses because that house had been a carriage house for the larger house behind it. Well, when I got home that night, Michelle had this look on her face that said everything. <laughs> I mean, she didn't even use her words. I thought, I don't know how she feels about this. And it was fairly new. I had felt the keeper, but he wasn't very prevalent in action until the baby was born. And then he was very, very protective of her. So I looked at Michelle and I said, I think you kind of saw something, right? She then told me that she was down in the basement most of the time. However, the baby's room was on the top floor. So it was a three-story house. And she would put the baby down, get back downstairs, get comfortable, and hear music playing through the baby monitor. So she went all the way upstairs. By the time she got there, there was no music. She couldn't figure out where it was coming from, so she went back downstairs, was watching TV, and the music started again. <laughs> so she went back upstairs, and alas, no music once again. She was obviously perplexed and a little freaked out by that. I said, well, what was the song? 
there was one stuffed animal that didn't work really well. I mean, you had to manipulate it, push really hard to turn the music on. It was like the button on the inside of it, right? So I kind of struggled with it. It finally came on, started playing Brahms Lullaby, and she goes, yes, that's exactly what it was. So there was a brief look of relief on her face, and then the perplexed look came back, and she goes, but that was not easy to turn on. When she came home, I asked her about it because Majana had mentioned something, and she didn't seem scared about it, but, you know, it was something different that she had not experienced You know what I love about that is she didn't seem scared about it because it wasn't scary. There's nothing threatening or looming doom that has anything to do with it. So it's just something we're not used to. Can they get our attention? Yes. And then how do we react to it? So if we see a spirit, are they earthbound? Or can anyone that has crossed over still somehow show themselves to us like people have said that they saw their mother sitting at the end of their bed or they saw somebody walking down the hallway are those earthbound or can spirits cross over and still show themselves to us okay what is my patent answer yes and (laughs) exactly there are no hard and fast rules here because i'm immediately thinking of all of these different examples one the morning that my mom was dying she had not yet transitioned but she projected herself into my brother's room to let him know he wasn't going to make it in time to see her she was unconscious but she was still very much physically alive All right. At the same time, we know we've heard stories and people have shared often about times when a loved one has come back to see them. After someone has left their body and has crossed over, they can come back and you might see the memory of their body. You can see their what they looked like when they were here, or they might just move things or make noise, or you might just sense their energy in a different way, but they've crossed over. I think earthbounds are the hardest to physically see. And as I'm thinking about it, I don't think I've seen an earthbound like I would see another spirit. When I see an earthbound, it's more of a, like a projection on my inner eye. Does that make sense? Close your eyes and the back of your eyelids is a movie screen and an image is being projected on there. That, to me, is more like what an earthbound looks like. So I see them as a movie. I see them in full body, but they're not in front of me. It's a memory. When people go into the haunted mansions or houses and see spirits, do they live there or do they come and go? What is the true story on this? Okay, that's kind of making me laugh. What's the true story? Because this is Mary, the reporter on the scene. (laughs) to the bottom of this story. I think I need to just travel across the country, drop in your living rooms, sit down and have a chat, and that's a new podcast. What do you think? This is our new format. (laughs) All right, so back to the question. Let's go back to the keeper. Did he live there all the time, or did he come and go? And if he lived there all the time, was that by his choice? 
because I know you said something about him not allowing people to come in and you had to have a talk with them. So it sounds like he lives there. In the case of the keeper, yes, he did live there. And when you're saying he didn't let people come in, I think you mean when I had the house on the market to sell it and he would lock people out of the house? Even though that screen door had no lock on it, <laughs> the realtor said it's locked. Um, he did live there and he was very attached to that house and to that property. Yes, it was his choice. I talked to him. I encouraged him to cross over when I had to move because I was moving out of state. My mom was ill. I asked him to go with us. He was so determined to not let anybody else in, and he was clearly very attached to my children. And I was thrilled, and I asked him to go with us. Please, I'd love for you to go with us. We're moving to Oklahoma. I don't even know if you know where that is. If it was a state when you lived here, the girls, and I would love it if you would join us. He was not leaving that property, and that was 100% his choice. Other places, like the mansions or other haunted houses, Again, it's yes and. Surprise. (laughs) They can be actual living spirits, those spirits that are alive, disincarnate, but they want to stay because they're attached to that house or the land. Oftentimes it's the land. It's not necessarily the structure at that time. Or it might be a loved one and they want to be very near. When our loved ones cross over, they stay close anyway. And remember, they're pure energy, so part of them can stay with you while part of them is exploring the cosmos and learning their lessons and having other experiences. They can be in more than one place at a time. Then the other kind is more of the energetic imprint. It's not the actual soul that's present. It's the energy or the memory of that energy The difference is if it's the actual soul, then you can interact with them because it's live in real time. So they can get your attention. You can respond. They will do something else, whether it's moving something, making a sound, or you're visually seeing them. If it's an energetic imprint, it's just a loop. It's not an actual person. They're not interacting with you. It could appear to you if you see them that they're ignoring you. They're going about their business completely oblivious to the fact that you're there because they're no longer actually there. It's just a memory. If somebody's going into a haunted house, maybe you even have a guide and the guide says, oh, watch over here because John Brown is normally seen standing at the top of the staircase looking down, waiting for his wife to enter. Well, he's caught in that loop because that was part of the life. So it's not really him doing the same thing over and over, especially when there's guests all over the house that are trying to stare at him or get his attention, and he doesn't seem to be noticing. That would be an imprint. They're going about their, quote, lives, unresponsive to any other stimulus around them. Tell me about this Washington, D.C. loop. I was in D.C., Walking down the street, kind of oblivious to where I was, when I got a little lightheaded and became very aware, I felt like I actually traveled back in time because what I saw was people in period clothing and all of a sudden the paved street was gone and now it's dirt and there are horse and buggies going down. There are people walking, but they were oblivious to me, even though I was watching them 
and I can't say that anybody like walked right through me that I was aware of, but they would walk right in front of me and completely ignore me. So that was a loop. Did I time travel? Yes, and... (laughs) I hope y'all are enjoying this as much as we are. (laughs) Let's unpack that just for a second because, wow, I honestly never thought of that. That just kind of came out. Here are the reasons that I would think maybe I did time travel. I remember getting disoriented and feeling dizzy before I saw them. That would make me feel like something happened. There was some time shift there. And it wasn't one or two people. It was the entire scene. It was the concrete. The street was gone and now it's dirt. It was animals. It was the carriages and the horses and not one or two people. It was many people. It was the whole village, the whole town of that area of D.C. during that time period with everybody going about their lives, and they were oblivious to me. I popped in on them. So maybe that's time travel. The reason I would think it's not time travel is I was with somebody and was able to still have a conversation, I think. As I'm observing, and obviously I quit walking and quit talking because I was a little surprised and taking it all in and then started describing to this person what I'm seeing, although the other person didn't see it. So I don't think I time traveled and that person did not, but I was between the two worlds or sharing both worlds. It's the universe, guys. I don't have all the answers. I'm here walking my path and learning right along with you. We're just exploring as we go. One part that has not been answered yet is Dale's original question. How do earthbounds get unearthbound? How do they cross over? I can help them. Other people can help them. You don't even have to be positive there's an earthbound there. You don't have to be able to see them. But if you suspect it, like if you're feeling energy, things seem to be moving, or you just don't think things are quite right, you feel it maybe, you can walk them through the process. It's not going to hurt anything, even if nobody's there. (laughs) It's just practice for when somebody is there. The way that you can help somebody cross over is, first of all, just talk to them. Even if you're not seeing them, if they're aware that you're there and they're trying to get your attention, they're going to hear you. They don't have ears, but they're feeling the vibration. Tell them you're aware of their presence. Tell them, I think that you are earthbound. Do you know that you're dead? Because sometimes they don't, right? It happens suddenly and they did not even know that they're dead. The other thing is they know that they're dead, but they don't want to leave loved ones. They want to get a message to them. They desperately want to get their attention to tell them something. So they might be able to do that directly or they have somebody come in to the house, Ghostbusters, paranormal, whatever, and somehow that message can get to their loved ones or they go to a medium and they get their message. Once the spirit feels complete with that, then they may be willing to leave and they may or may not know how to do that on their own. So to talk them through, just like I did with that little girl, have them look behind them and above to look for the white light and then start moving towards the white light. It looks very distant to them. It can look like just a little small pinprick. It can look so far away. So tell them to start moving to the white light and asking for angels. Their angels will come to meet them and help them cross over. They can also ask for loved ones. 
So whether it's angels or loved ones, as they get closer to the white light, they start feeling it and any apprehension they had start subsiding because the love is, my understanding, overwhelming and welcoming and all of the inhibitions fade away and they're just escorted across by love, by angels or loved ones. Another group I think would be a subgroup maybe are people who are aware that they have died, but they're afraid to fully cross over because of judgment. What if I cross over and I'm not going to heaven? So they choose to be in that limbo or purgatory. You still have free will and you can start moving to that light. Angels will come and help you and you can say nope at any time. It's not like you have to start going and then you're on a conveyor belt that won't stop. You can choose to bail at any given time. They might be asking a lot of questions. Okay, well, what's it going to be like on the other side? You know, I wasn't perfect. What if it's not heaven? Then, well, yeah, once you've crossed over, you're in that energy. But as you get closer and you're feeling the amazing, overwhelming love, and you're feeling that so much just getting closer, what if you just release and you go on into it. You meld, you become one with that love. There's no doubt that it's safe. Even on the other side, you have free will. But I don't think I have ever heard of someone crossing over and then choosing to come back and be earthbound. Because once you're over there living in the glory and pure love, there is no reason to come back to limbo. Thank you, Dale and Mary, for helping me out with this. This was fun. Thank you for inviting me. It was very interesting and informative. This has been so much fun. I have loved every bit of it. Thanks, Majana. I love you and I appreciate you. If you haven't joined our Facebook group and you're interested, ah, these two are on it and so many people. There's such a wealth of information and they're all loving and compassionate and fun and we share experiences we would love to have you join us for more of this on Tool Belt Tuesdays, the second and fourth Tuesday of each month. These two ladies are there, as are some other people, and we just talk about different content. Every week's a new lesson, and all that information is on the website, majonadon.com. Thank you so much, and we will see you again soon. Namaste.